Hello, Two Forks Tower. This is Sissy Jones, voice of Delilah from Firewatch, and you are listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 118 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Saturday, February 5th, 2022. I am your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we sit down with Ty Guy Travis of IGN, The Last Word, and Season Gaming's BitCast to talk about the week's biggest gaming news, including the acquisition of Bungie by Sony, and of course, the long-awaited release of Dying Light 2. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And as I want to do each and every week, I like to start the show by offering words of kindness to those who have made my gaming week better. And this week, the words of kindness go to a former BitCast partner of mine, someone who is still there on that show, rocking it every week, one of the best dressed in the business, Mr. Ty Guy Travis of IGN. How are you, my friend? McClunky. Hello, everyone. Happy to be here. Luke, nice to see you, man. Or it's hear you. Good. I guess I'm hear not me. seeing you this morning. Yeah, that, That's right. There's no camera. You assured me in uh, in the lead up to this show that you would still be wearing a tie. Are you? I am. I am, in fact, wearing a navy blue hand-knit tie, white shirt, you know, just got to... You gotta you gotta dress to the nines on this uh, Saturday morning, and and not at all because I have to go to a, a, a nonprofit event immediately no. after this. Yeah, this is this is absolutely for XEP. What kind of what kind of knot you got on that tie this morning? You know, I do I do like the working man's tie. Um, there's I I know probably maybe twenty different knots by heart, and there's mm-hmm. a lot more than that, believe it or not. But um, mm-hmm. some of them some of them be a little too fancy, like uh. I don't know if you know this, but the Windsor knot famously is worn by um, egomaniacs like uh, Joseph Stalin wore it and like uh, Vladimir Putin. And, and I think like like all these all these weird like tyrants wore it. So I try to stay away Real from winners one. of history, you might say. Yeah, actually, you know what? Obama also wore it. Now that I'm thinking about it. So I don't know if that what that says about him. But um, yeah, I try to stay away from that one. I typically do a knot called the four in hand, which is one of the most common tie knots. It's like the classic tie knot on the, in the Western world. Mm -hmm. Um, So I typically will wear that if I'm just, um, if I'm just sort of like uh, trying to get on, get dressed as quickly as possible. That's the, that's the one my brain does on autopilot. Um, Sure. But I, but I appreciate a good knot and I could, I could talk about knots with the best of them. I believe you. I know one knot. I learned it from YouTube uh, 15 years ago prior to, mm-hmm. to starting my first real professional job. Um, mm-hmm. But my job doesn't demand it, but so often. And so, you know, I know that one. You're, you're a school teacher, right? In, in your yes. Day yeah. Life. yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. Right. I wonder if any of your students have discovered your content. Uh, yes, they have. And that has forced nice. me to edit said content. Edit um, said content. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah, just to make to sure that... You have to talk about Joe's mom a little less. When, a little uh, bit less. Yeah, bring the language down. Yeah. Yep. yep. It's weird what people get offended by. That's something I learned working at GameStop for years. People, parents, moms and dads, they'll come in and they'll be like, hey, do you have this this new game, that new game? And you have to go through the rigmarole of it's rated M for mature whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. They are totally fine if you are mowing down civilians with a, with a chain gun. But if yeah. you see a boob, they're out. And it's just wild. Yeah. I mean, we're we're not cool with we're we're not cool with with you know general nature, but we're cool with mowing people down in murder. It's it's always a funny thing to me. I mean, you gotta have priorities, man. You gotta, That's true. You gotta it's teach them how to take a life before you can teach them how to make one. You know, that's, <laughs> that's the best. It's <laughs> the most like American sentiment ever. <laughs> oh gosh, I love it. I love it. Uh, some of those kids went to the Capitol. So, all right, <laughs> Travis, we we've got you here. You are, of course, a writer for IGN. You also uh, host over on the Last Word podcast, and of course, you're on the Bitcast. There is no better voice I can think of to come in here and talk about the biggest gaming news of the week and what would have been the biggest gaming news of the year had we not been two weeks removed from Microsoft acquiring Blizzard. Uh, yeah. Sony has purchased Bungie 
for uh was it 3.6 billion dollars this is six billion dollars 1.2 of that going to employee retention so the actual purchase price would be about 2.4 billion and some say they overpaid so many questions here first gut reactions when you heard it earlier this week. oh i was it was like a gut punch i i hated i hated this news immediately i was sort of i was very heartbroken by it um which which might sound you know dramatic or whatever but if you know if you know my relationship with bungie (laughs) how long i have followed the the company and uh had a vested interest in what they're doing it was you know i don't i don't have a problem with playstation obviously i i i I like Sony as a company and I, I have mm-hmm. a PlayStation, so it doesn't really affect me. I own, I own destiny on like seven different consoles or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that was my initial reaction was just, I was like, Oh no, come on guys. Don't, <laughs> don't do this. We just finally got an independent bungee. Uh, so that was, that was my initial reaction. So that is, and let me set, set the stage for listeners. I was really high on this. I think this is a great move. I was talking to uh, Ainsley Bowden, uh, your BitCast partner, and then, of course, Joseph Moran, friend of me of the show uh, from the Trophy Room. We had our cast co-op episode this past week. We All three of us were really high on this deal. We felt like the the price was great. They're going to stay Uh, Mm multi-platform. There's a lot of, I thought, very good news coming out of this. Uh, And when you and I exchanged on Twitter, it couldn't have been more opposite. You said that gut punch uh, statement. Let's... Let's talk a little bit before we talk about why you think it's a bad thing, just about mm-hmm. some of the things that are going into this deal. Sure. Uh, Bungie's going to be, uh, op- will operate autonomously within Sony Interactive Entertainment. They're going to have control over what platforms their content hits. Of course, the Destiny IP is included in the purchase, but they're planning to remain multi-platform. Um, to me, this felt like a very good thing. We also know they have another IP they're working on. Mm-hmm. Um, any other details off the top that you think listeners who are unfamiliar with the deal might want to know before we talk the, the pros and cons. Yeah, well, I would say the the big thing was the statement that both companies put out. Uh, it was a joint statement, and then there were also individual statements. And the first impressions that you got from that, and what what Sony Interactive Entertainment uh, cited was they're going to be gaining. The, basically, they said that this was a move to gain life service services, uh, games as a service support, which mm-hmm. I think makes a ton of sense for Sony. They badly need it. They're seeing Fortnite under Epic's uh, umbrella. They just saw Warzone, one of the biggest games as a service out there being purchased by Microsoft. And then mm-hmm. Microsoft has also just sort of tried its own hand at games as a service before, including Minecraft. Um, and they're, they're seeing these big games as a service being gobbled up destiny Mm -hmm. is one of the biggest ones it's independent and this gives them access to a ton of brain trust and talent in the games as a service space it also helps them with shooters which sony has never really had a a good go of um they've relied tremendously on third party there um and uh so that was their first statement the first statement from bungie was that this was a move for them to expand their ip into other media so they specifically stated, you know, they want TV shows and movies and music and stuff that Sony Interactive Entertainment already has the infrastructure to do. That was their um, kind of first thing that they cited. So that's the only thing I would add as the initial reaction, because that's what I read immediately. You know, the statements mm-hmm. I went and looked for the statements had read that. And then that's sort of when it sunk in of like, oh, God, like I, I kind of had like a weird feeling. And then I read it and then I was like, oh, and the more I, the more I thought about it, the more I hated it. <laughs> so oh, that's, that's kind of where I started. One of those statements coming from Jim Ryan said, quote, the first thing to say unequivocally is that Bungie will stay independent, multi-platform studio and publisher. I found that interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Pete Parsons and I have spoken about many things over recent months. And this one of the first is actually the easiest and most straightforward conclusions we reached together. Everybody wants the extremely large Destiny 2 community, whatever platform they are on, to be able to continue to enjoy their Destiny 2 experience, and that approach will apply to future Bungie releases. That is unequivocal, end quote. Um, Mm. That's a bold statement, I feel, because to your point, Sony's adding in a lot of talent to their internal studios that can share ideas, concepts, experience with bringing shooters to the market. Uh, I would would argue that Destiny is best in class when it comes to shooting mechanics. and and the games as a service elements are certainly 
going to be prominent as well as Sony works to, to bring Spartacus to market. Um, mm-hmm. And I too am excited by this transmedia stuff. I feel, I felt Travis that this was a great move knowing they're going to keep supporting other platforms, but they're going to get funding to explore what a destiny movie or show verse might look like mm-hmm. uh, or seeing it branch into other platforms. The idea that they're losing independence um, and I will, in an amateur way, push back on it. Feels to me like they have a lot of control over their stuff, and they're just getting funding. You don't see it mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. So let me let me get into my kind of nine point uh, <laughs> statement here. Uh, All but right. So the, for, the first one is is my idealism about Bungie. So I'll start there, and mm-hmm. that has a lot to do with their independence, which is the way that the games industry or really any industry tends to function is at the top, you've got the, the leaders, the people that have been in the industry for a long time. They're the biggest companies with the biggest budgets and they make the biggest stuff. In this case, you know, those, those industry leaders are people like Activision. They're people like uh, Microsoft is a, is a pretty big one, at least nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're people like uh, EA or Ubisoft, uh, big budgets, lots of teams. They've been around forever and people kind of know what to expect for them. Um, in the middle, there are these challengers, the up and comers, the people that are kind of keeping the big older companies honest because they, uh, you know, they're trying to eat their lunch uh, basically. And then, and then below that, you've got the indies that are experimenting and doing their own things. And there's kind of lots of crazy successes and crazy failures in that space, just because it's so it's like the wild west. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I don't really care if big companies eat each other up. I don't care at all if Microsoft buys Activision because I see Activision as a company that was one of those big old leaders who mm-hmm. just messed up. They were getting attacked by uh, from the top by California. They were getting attacked from the bottom by their own employees. Uh, Blizzard hasn't put out a game since 2016. They, they were just in trouble. And really the best outcome we could hope from that situation is that that bad company that's not doing well, rather than going out of business and everybody losing their jobs, they get acquired by somebody that is also, you know, another bigger company and they can kind of just take that under their arm. And I don't really worry about that sort of consolidation in the industry because they're just going to get filled by presumably another challenger that's going to level up and kind of fill that void. And I, I think mm-hmm. that's probably a good thing. It's probably a natural, a natural part of the the industry of any any healthy industry with lots of competition like ours is mm-hmm. what what bothers me is when those middle and smaller companies get acquired um before they they really get a chance to experiment you know minecraft is one where i was a big minecraft fan before microsoft bought them and then afterward i kind of wondered if this was going to hinder their growth as a company um you, you might be able to argue that it kind of has, right? Like they, they haven't really put out anything. Um, they, they put out Minecraft dungeons and they've sort of experimented, but you've got to wonder how different that company would be and its culture would be had it not been acquired after making its first game. Um, and would the counterpoint, would the counterpoint of that be that Minecraft seems to be doing very well in terms of population oh. and popularity? Oh yeah, no, no doubt there. And I, and I, I'm not one of those people who thinks at all that, that Minecraft has been ruined because of Microsoft. Not at all. It's, it's more that, um, and, and you could also argue that Minecraft was so popular, it had to be acquired, right? Because it was, mm-hmm. it just it had explosive, um, kind of success. But mm-hmm. my, my point is, I, I just think it's healthy when there's these challengers and I've, I've been a Bungie fan since I was in grade school, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I was super young when I, when I started getting introduced to Bungie games and Halo changed my life. And they've always sort of been this, this underdog group. And I think when they cut ties from Microsoft and then later uh, went back on their contract with Activision, I've seen them as these up and coming challengers, people that could replace the void left by Bethesda Zenimax, for example, a huge independent uh, company that was sort of always an underdog and then eventually became uh, big and big and big and then got acquired. But mm-hmm. I, I could see them filling that void and all of their messaging. And it, it's it's sort of it's funny because like you and Ains and, and uh, the rest of you, I, I don't think you guys are super close to destiny and and you know reading bungees uh this week at bungee posts every week the, the, that is correct the blog that they put out correct. right 
but mm-hmm. but all of their messaging to players has been about how they want to be able to control their own destiny and that they want true independence because when they got out of that deal with activision they activision didn't even own them it was just a publishing deal that's all mm-hmm. it was and they they wanted to be able to control their own publishing their own ip and all their messaging has been about that right and so there there was there was that part of it where sort of they were going back on what they had said was their goal and and and, and that sort of thing there was the fact that now that that big independent uh, thing that I kind of saw Bungie as the, the chosen ones, right? Like they were going to, they were going to grow up and and replace an Activision or replace a Zenimax and kind of become a big uh, company that could potentially challenge one of these uh, even bigger companies that was more established. Um, and you can see that with them creating new IPs and really starting to branch out. And then, uh, you know, the final part of it is really just the sentimental part, right? It's, it's sort of, it's sort of, it, it it is idealistic, but it, it's it's that it's that it's Bungie, and I I kind of wanted I wanted them and their their journey to be uh, different than than kind of this massive consolidation. Um, so so that's that's like my first point, right? Is is really just the their positioning in the market, their positioning as a company, the promises that they made to their players about independence and kind of this ideology. Um, the second thing, and that that sort of bums me out about this is the reason they did it and this is this is where the gut punch came into account right which is that bungie has had a lot of trouble with with making destiny the game has really uh had low points over the years especially when they went away from activision and went independent and then they were first finding their feet you know and kind of like growing up and all that stuff and um you would hope what, that what kind of bu- trouble to, to I yeah. don't mean to cut you off, but no, no, as no. someone who's outside looking in, I've heard praise and lamentation about multiplayer, yeah. about storytelling, about different content being removed in various updates. Right. So outside and, looking in, tell me what's in trouble with it or what has yeah. been in trouble with it. Yeah. And to quote, to quote Han Solo, it's true. All of it. So all oh, the lamentation, goodness. all the praise, like it, it, it is, it is, it has deserved all of that. And I say that as a huge destiny stand, like I, I, I say this all the time on, on uh, like fire team chat and the last word shows I've been on where I talk about destiny. Destiny is one of the best and 10 of the worst games I've ever played. And, and that's <laughs> 100% true, right? Like they, they just, they've changed, they changed so much over the years and throughout time that y- you really develop a really strong love, hate relationship with it. Um, if you are a fan of other big multimedias, it, it's kind of like Game of Thrones. Like if you if you have any relationship with Game of Thrones, it's probably a love hate relationship. That's Destiny for sure, except for amped up to eleven because it takes thousands of your hours to actually play it. Um, so uh, to walk you through it, they they've had problems since the beginning, uh, since their uh, early Activision days with Destiny, where. They just had trouble finding their footing. They they had trouble uh, creating content quickly enough for the the players to like it. They've really, really always had trouble with telling a good story. The narrative in Destiny, in my opinion, has never been good in the game. It's always mm-hmm. been, at best, uh, okay, passable. Mm-hmm. But people don't really play Destiny. The vast majority of people don't play Destiny for story. It's one of those things you have to go and find it. You have to mm-hmm. really actively try to be a part of the story. Are we talking um, so about like grimoire cards of old, like that meme? Or are we talking grimoire, that? Ca- grimoire cards or reading descriptions on weapons or, uh, you know, if you if you play Forsaken, you mm-hmm. you can barely follow the story unless you've done some homework before uh, to try to figure out what's going on. Like, it's really, really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and people like to say, oh, yeah, the Bungie, uh, the Destiny story is, is really good. You just have to search for it. But in my opinion, that makes it not good. Like. If you if you have if it's not good unless you search for it, that's a mm-hmm. problem because there's other examples, right? Like you and I are huge Halo lore fans, right? Mm-hmm. And that that world, it, it gets better the more deeper and deeper you dive into it. But you can right. also play all of the Halo games, except for maybe with the exception of four uh, and know what's going on in the story without really any problems. Yeah, they're pretty, right? pretty like, good at being contained. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty good at being contained and you can understand what you're reading or what you're seeing on screen um, without, without all the context being there and destiny, mm-hmm. it d- does not do a good job of that. Like at mm-hmm. all, in my opinion, like they, they just have so, so much problem with that. So they've had that one. And then to get to, to kind of the heartier question, which is most recently their troubles have been 
um, you know, they, they weren't built for publishing. They had to build all of their publishing from the ground up. They had to, uh, after splitting with Activision, um, they had issues with, um, creating content again with, uh, they had no PR people or any sort of like events that you could go to for like press events. Like they haven't had a press event since they left Activision basically. Mm -hmm. Um, part of that is due to COVID I imagine, but they've had that. And then, um, you know, there were just growing pains with the separation of Activision. They, they were sort of just left twisting in the wind. Their game was uh, live live already. People were playing it every day. And then they were saying, okay, well, we're, we've are we got to do these incremental things to get mm-hmm. off of Activision's uh, support network. And, and we're sort of starting for nothing. And so there was a lot of... Um, a lot of issues. There's always been issues in Destiny, but I would say in the last couple of years since the Activision split, there they have had issues, and they it finally feels like they were coming in their own as an independent studio. Like they mm-hmm. got over that stuff, and they were sort of getting there. And so that that is kind of another point of disappointment, right? Is that uh, they were we, we went through this big turbulent period where Destiny content was a little little uh whack and we had to kind of wait for them to figure things out and now they're they're, they've sort of given up right like they just said all right well we can't we can't figure this out on our own apparently so let's just let's just get a big publisher to to help us out can you remove yourself from being a diehard destiny fan and Mm -hmm. and ask like it, it does this it does this spell bad news for people that are casual destiny fans if those exist you know, yeah. it sounds like you're either in or you're out, but to the outside looking in and, and someone like myself who I was in, I loved destiny one. I played a good bit of destiny two, yeah. um, but I left it a while ago. It just, I, it was a different, different, I, I just didn't stick with it, I guess. Yeah. Um, does this spell good news for me down the line? Will I get into destiny by way of films or shows from this deal or is it going to yeah. be par for the course? Talk to me about that. So um, as a casual fan, I think it'll be it'll depend. Some people said that based on the way the deal was written out, which we haven't even gotten to the deal part, which I also have problems with the, the mm-hmm. way the deal is written. Um, but some people said that because of the way the deal is written, Bungie is essentially going to remain independent and there will be no, nothing bad come of that. And I, mm-hmm. and I completely disagree with that statement. And I also mm-hmm. think that if you are a casual fan, there's a chance that something bad has already happened because of this deal. And that thing is that, uh, people were very, very curious and confused as to why Destiny, a game that claims that they want to be everywhere um, and is on the Stadia through a subscription model and that sort of stuff, why in the world they were suddenly, after multiple years of being on the service, leaving Game Pass and not going with Game Pass with the Witch Queen. And, mm-hmm. and now we sort of have our answer, right? Like there, this mm-hmm. was without right. a doubt something where if you want to play destiny it'll probably be on playstation subscription service and will never return to xbox's subscription service right. um and and so it sort of depends right like if you're a, if you're an xbox main you don't own a playstation 5 and you play on game pass and you're a casual destiny fan you play it when it's on there um yeah for you there there will be negative effects if you're a playstation player who subscribes to their uh, you know, PlayStation now, and you were hoping that destiny would come to there, then maybe it has good news for you. But my, my point is consumer choice is already being affected in mm, your options to play destiny. And so, yeah, there are negatives. And to say that nothing is going to change and that you still have complete control, I think is 100% disingenuous um, and, and sort of just ignoring or trying to deny what is actually happening, which is that you're being bought by a company that is a platform owner. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. What about their other IP in the works? Yeah, it sounds like that's going to be multi-platform. And, and to be honest, I think that in the next five, maybe even seven years, this deal will probably seem like it's working um, because of the way it's written. And it's very unique. Um, you know, we're, we're having Hogue on tomorrow to talk about it, but he and I have already talked about this deal at length um, and the weirdness of it. And both mm-hmm. of our takeaways, you know, he's somebody who worked in mergers, currently works in mergers and acquisitions on the law side. And I used to work uh, actually as a hatchet man, uh, taking apart companies and helping them merge with new ones uh, in, in my my business life. Um, oh, so we both cool. have a, yeah, we, we, yeah, yeah. So we both have a, a pretty big understanding of the way the acquisitions work and kind of our analysis, him from a legal point and me from a practical point is that this deal looks really good on paper. Mm -hmm. 
and it will probably work for the next five to six years. But inevitably, it's impossible to keep these two companies separate and their interests will be 100% aligned and all independence will be lost within over time. And not because PlayStation is doing something insidious, but because for practical reasons, because these companies are going to intermingle and PlayStation's going to, you know, slowly have more of their people or, the, or they'll just be seen as the same team. And so that kind of separation right now is strong because of the people that are there who view themselves as Bungie employees and not PlayStation employees. But that's going to be eroded over time until, mm-hmm. you know, PlayStation owns 100% of the stock for Bungie now, right? 100% of the shares of their company. And over time, that's going to mean that, you know, you've got people with PlayStation's interests first on the Bungie uh, board of directors. And eventually it's just going to happen, right? Like one day Mm -hmm. you're just going to kind of look over and you're not going to notice it. And you're going to be like, Oh, right. These companies are basically the same thing now. And it's not going to seem weird or separate. Um, Even if they have that deal in place, it's really not going to matter at the end of the day. So I view this as a long-term play. The other thing that I, I think could happen on the business side that would be bad is I'm really happy PlayStation did 1.2 billion dedicated to keeping employees. And I think that's an incredibly smart move and I think it will benefit Bungie. But Mm -hmm. the 1.2 billion isn't to keep people at Bungie. It's to keep people at PlayStation. And I think there could be a brain drain at Bungie where PlayStation is taking these Bungie employees and having them work on all these other live service games that they clearly want. You know, but Sony said they plan on releasing 10 live service games. Uh, you know, in, in their statement or by 2026, I want to say 2026. Right. So Mm -hmm. you can, you can assume Bungie is going to be involved. Bungie employees are going to be involved in all of those since they're the only team that knows how to do it at Sony and Mm -hmm. uh, that they're not all going to be Bungie owned properties, right? It's going to be them helping other teams. And probably some of those people are going to leave Bungie to work at different Sony studios, still keeping the money that they're getting, right? The, the benefit that they're getting of uh, still working at, at, the Sony interactive entertainment umbrella. And uh, that I think could be bad for Bungie, right? If they're having kind of all of their, their expertise leave to go work on other projects and to work for other studios in the PlayStation uh, umbrella. So that, that's another thing. The, the one thing I wanted to get to, uh, and we kind of got distracted um, was why Bungie did this. This is the thing that that hurts me the most, which is if you look at Sony's statements, they're they should be lauded for what they're doing. Like this is such a good move for them. And I mm-hmm. I I'm as a PlayStation fan, I am really excited for what's going to happen with them. They've now got one of the biggest games as a service. They've got uh first person shooter chops, which they've bra- badly needed. They've mm-hmm. got a killer app for whatever um streaming service they launch right like i'll have to be subscribed to the service now because i'm a bunch or i'm a destiny player and a bungie fan so that's right. huge uh it's it's a golden bullet for games as a service potentially because they've got so many people who are so smart and know this industry uh and have been able to do things that not even the biggest publishers have been able to do bioware fails at anthem ubisoft has struggled with the division but bungie somehow has been able to stay alive in this uh, games as a service industry um and th- that's huge I feel like they created a genre in some ways, like they, or they augmented the MMO genre to suit first person. I, I would play. actually say they um, they augmented the looter shooter Borderlands genre and and ate that entire industry's lunch. Like now, if you play Borderlands, you're sort of like this feels old and it and it feel even Borderlands three feels a little outdated. It's formula. And I think it's because Bungie saw that and they were like, let's make that an online MMO. And they and they sort of killed the looter shooter genre. Like there are no looter shooter games anymore that aren't online. If you think about it, they kind of all went that way. Even Borderlands sort of tried to copy that formula and, and didn't really do a great job in my opinion. Yeah. Um, they did like a one toe in one toe out and it just, yeah. Yeah. It was really yeah. weird. It was weird, man. That game came out and I was kind of like, this feels like it should have come out 10 years ago when the industry mm-hmm. was, was okay with these sorts of things, but that's just me. I, I'm, I don't know. Um, but so so anyway, my point is that I think all of Sony's messaging, if you're a Sony fan, if you own Sony stock, if you have some sort of interest in Sony in, in general, you should just be like cheering like that's That was like it's clearly a great move for them mm-hmm. who I don't think should be applauded for their messaging, at least so far, is Bungie. And if yeah. and this should is they the ever why. have been <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, well, I don't know. It, here's here's what I would have been OK with if Bungie's statement said. Hey, look, we tried to go independent 
It's really tough to make it out here. We're doing this as a move to make Destiny better. I would be like, okay, I accept that. And I, you know, I still wouldn't like the fact that they're not an independent studio. I would still have problems with that sort of stuff. Uh, consolidation, especially this stage of companies, in my opinion, is still bad. But I would have accepted that and and not been nearly as, as uh, peeved as I am. The thing that was the gut punch is Bungie's reasoning. This is the main reason that I, I, I hate this deal. Mm-hmm. Bungie's reasoning had nothing to do with video games and it had nothing to do with Destiny. And they don't mention that. In fact, all of their messaging is we're going to keep the ship right and we're going to keep doing what we're doing. It's not about, hey, we need to make Destiny better and this is going to help some of the problems that we've been having with Destiny. It's all about movies. It's all about TV. It's all about music, right? So Mm -hmm. we've got this big independent company that is beloved by a lot of people who are saying that they want to be independent, who are saying that they want to blaze a new trail. And they sold out. And for what? So they could drop a hot single on Sony Music. That's why they did it, right? They did it because for the same reason Xbox came on stage in 2013 and said TV, TV sports, because they want to be a big multimedia brand. They want movies and they want TV. That is not okay with me <laughs> at all. I, I think it's, I think it's a travesty. I, I, and and it, it destiny story is one of the worst parts about it in the game. And the mm-hmm. fact that they're trying to fix it, they think that movies and TV will fix that problem. I do not think is going to work. I think people are going to be like, whoa, this is a weird story that I feel like I'm jumping into the middle of on the movie and TV side. Or if they manage to tell an origin story, it'll be feel so detached from the video game. It won't really matter. Right. And, and okay. maybe with a TV show, you could develop it. But with, you know, music and that sort of stuff, I just I hate the reasoning for doing this. I hate that it's all about we want to be a mega brand and we were too impatient to do it ourselves. So we're partnering with this big company, selling our entire company so that we can make a TV show because we want to be a destiny anime. All right, let me let me counterpoint then, because I'm sure. curious to know some responses here, because uh, as diehard Star Wars fans, we've both seen Solo and there are sure. elements of Solo that I was like, yo, that straight up looks like Destiny. Um, right. And it, and it got me excited for that. Uh, Star Wars fans also have seen big tentpole pillar Skywalker saga movies mm-hmm. really have a divisive fan base. Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker in my mind. And in that storytelling felt rushed and strange. But the shows that are coming out now are doing a good job at kind of backfilling and and telling more concentrated stories around it. That's Star Wars. In a separate medium, we're seeing Halo get its own TV show that is not going to be following the games or books, but is inspired by it. And I'm currently reading, I talked about this last week on XCP, currently reading the Witcher uh, novels. They're fantastic. Playing through the Witcher 3. I've read them all. Blood of Elves. I'm on on Blood of Elves, the first one. That's a great Um, book. Yeah. And I've I've read like I guess you would say like impressions from people I trust about the rest of them and that's why I was like, all right, I'm You didn't read The Last Wish first? That's the best one in my opinion. No, I thought it, I thought Blood of Elves was the first one. It's the first one chronologically, but The Last Wish I think is the best one because it's just it's vignettes. That's like a good one to start on because it just it doesn't really tell any single story. It just kind of tells a bunch of different ones. But yeah. Interesting. All right, good to know. But you have the, the novels, right? And then yeah. you have the game, and then you have the show. And all are the same characters and involvement, mm-hmm. but they're not all the same story. They're not interwoven. It's not an extended universe in the sense that like it's all canonical to each other. Yeah, it, I would love, as an outside Destiny fan, a show like The Mandalorian or yeah. like what we're expecting Halo to be as an entry point into the series. And if I'm interested, then go play the game. Sure. Th- to me, that sounds like a positive for the brand. Um, I, I, I can certainly see that point of view, but here's my counterpoint to that. Mm-hmm. Um, Star Wars, Halo and the Witcher all have one thing in common, which is that they were established franchises that have had a beloved story before they entered movie and TV. Destiny mm-hmm. does not have that. Destiny doesn't have the new hope empire strikes back and return of the Jedi always in their back pocket. The witch, uh, you know, uh, destiny does not have books like the Witcher. Destiny Mm -hmm. does not have a video game story like Halo that is already top notch before it becomes a movie or TV. Destiny is trying to, but in my opinion, what Bungie's trying to do is they're trying to make up for the fact that the story in the game isn't good by searching for these other forms of media to tell that story. And it doesn't fix the problem. And it's based off of something that isn't good. 
right? Like Mm -hmm. if you try to tell the story that's in destiny, that movie is going to flop. The TV show is going to flop. If you try to tell something that goes alongside destiny, then people are going to be like, Oh, right. Well, let's check out the game and then find out that the game doesn't really have much of a story in the game. And, and my, that's my problem is like, I, I think you should only make movies and TV shows out of, out of other medias that have, have, shown that they are so good that they need to be shared and expanded on with the world halo meets that bar witcher meets that bar star wars definitely meets that bar Mm -hmm. destiny doesn't and everybody who plays destiny agrees this isn't a minority opinion this is a ubiquitous belief by everyone in destiny that the that the story isn't good and never was and that the only way that they've succeeded in telling good stories is these weird you know grimoire entries or this this side content that hasn't really helped fix the problem in the game and regardless of whether you're happy or not about them getting uh publishing rights and being able to do tvs and movies i think we can all agree there was another way to do that they could have come up with a they could have sold the rights to sony just for movies and tv they Mm. could have done it just for they could have just made a publishing deal for music if they really wanted to do that but instead they sold their entire company and if you read their statement the reason they did it had nothing to do with video games it had everything to do with multimedia that is a painful realization to digest it's really painful for me okay all right that makes that now i'm i'm gathering now kind of the the better part of where you're coming from with it and, and i and i see it i'm still not convinced that casual fans will care that you're probably right and uh, casual fans might not even notice you know they don't read the the news like like we do they might not even notice that this is happening mm-hmm. um and and uh, that's totally that's totally fair um i have a feeling that if they make movies and tv shows that they're not going to do particularly well or they will do particularly well and then people will sign on to the video game and be extremely disappointed and, and confused as to why the the tv show and the the, the video game are nothing alike um and and then the other option is that they throw everything out and completely change the story to be more like the TV and movie. And then you've got video games chasing Hollywood, which is something I always hate, right? I hate it when video games try to parrot Hollywood or try to recreate what they're doing or chase their success. And so it, you know, I just, I want video games to, to be their own medium and to do what they've always done, which is just be experimental and weird and not really follow uh, the rules of of other traditional media and you know like like this this just has like you know the whole xbox tv 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 uh thing written all over it in my in my opinion and i i find it crazy that that everyone else online doesn't see it that way because <laughs> that was gotcha. my first reaction was just like and I, I i probably am in the minority here just based on we did a the last word recording uh on thursday and um and i was the only one on the panel who thought that this was a terrible thing so you know, I'm, I'm clearly in the minority here, but um, I would be surprised if I remained in the minority, uh, you know, four or five years from now. Gotcha. That's my Interesting. All right. Well, we have a couple questions about this one. Then I want to transition to talk a bit about Dying Light before we depart. Oh, okay. um, but we did have people write in with with Destiny related, Ty Guy, Travis related questions. Oh, awesome. Um, this first one comes via email. You can always email me guys at insipidghost at gmail.com. This one comes from Keith L, uh, aka Rocket Scientist on Xbox Live. He says, mm-hmm. since Bungie has just bought Sony and Destiny, in, um, just bought by Sony, excuse me, Bungie just got bought by Sony. Yeah. <laughs> and Destiny is a franchise in which I have spent approximately 5,000 hours. Goodness, Keith. I decided to ask a gun question. What is the favorite mm-hmm. gun you have used or looted in a game and why? His Ooh. favorite gun is the year one Gallahorn, uh, which he got in year three. Uh, via atheon he said his favorite gun to use is a rocket launcher from unreal tournament 99 it's a versatile weapon nice. uh, so travis favorite favorite gun you've looted in a game or destiny specific yeah um so my favorite gun i've ever gotten in a video game it was actually in borderlands 2 it's called the conference call and it's called the conference call because it's a shotgun that you can snipe with and you shoot in one direction but then another a storm of bullets comes from a 90 degree angle to the left of you and mm-hmm. they they meet in the middle so wherever you're pointed it creates like an x of shotgun bullets it mm-hmm. makes no sense the other bullets are just coming out of nowhere right <laughs> they're, they're like okay. manifesting differently but it's supposed to be like a conference call because two beams are like interacting with each other right 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's an absurd weapon in Borderlands 2. It's like without a doubt the best weapon you can gain because you can snipe with it and it just shoots a hail fire of shotgun blasts from different directions. And I think I had four copies of that gun on my character and they were all different elements. So that's my favorite gun I've looted in any game. I, I will always like laugh when I think about that gun. Um, also, I got to give the the battle rifle from Halo, any Halo game, a shout out because you don't really loot that gun, but that's probably one of my favorite weapons just to use. Mm-hmm. Um, favorite weapon I've looted in Destiny. Definitely going to be an exotic because I love the weird weapons. Um, I'm going to go with Chaperone. Uh, Chaperone is a exotic shotgun. It shoots a single uh, pellet. It just got nerfed rip uh, by Bungie, unfortunately. Um, but I got that gun in D1 and then I earned it again in D2. And it's just such a good feeling. It doesn't shoot. Uh, it doesn't shoot a, a, a birdshot luke it Mm -hmm. shoots one slug and so it's like a shotgun that you can like shoot mid-range with and if you if you get if you proc a headshot it will just kill anybody in one shot and so it's so good because nobody's expecting it right like they're rushing at you with a a traditional shotgun and then all of a sudden you just bead them from mid-range and take them out and they're like what what killed me and then they see it's chaperone and they're like damn it this guy so it's like a shotgun that requires more skill than most shotguns but if you Mm -hmm. can master it you can absolutely destroy with it and i i've had chaperone uh on my loadout for you know competitive multiplayer and destiny for a long time and and probably gonna have to use it less because it just got nerfed because it was a little bit uh overpowered but i would say chaperone's my favorite gun i just love shotguns good answers and proving to me that you're the right guy to be asking these questions too because i was like <laughs> i like the shotgun and gears and uh i like the battle rifle in all halos so yeah the dmr and reach i liked it uh come at me bloom fans or, or bloom anti fans haters whatever. i'm a bloom, yeah, bloom hater haters. too uh are you I, nice well, I'm, I'm not as much as uh as some people I, have, I got a friend named teddy and he all if you play halo 3 with him all he does is talk about bloom and how it's the worst like he's he's really hard to be around um but I do think RNG and weapons is a is not a great choice philosophically, depending on uh, what type yeah. of shooter you're trying to make. If you're trying to make a competitive shooter, definitely not. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. That's a good call. That's a good call. Uh, let's see here. Next question comes from Captain Logan. He says, given their past, do you think Bungie will stay with Sony forever? Uh, I hope not. Um, and I, I would be surprised if they did. But if they do, it'll be because one of two reasons. It'll either be because somehow this deal that they struck where they're independent but wholly owned uh works out which i have very little faith that that it's going to work exactly as they planned uh in the long term or the second thing that could happen is that bungie's culture can kind of slowly disappear as you know people who think of themselves as sony start working at bungie and the people who think of themselves as bungie you know independent organization Mm -hmm. that just got bought um leave right and and that can j- kind of just be like a slow death a uh, thousand cuts kind of thing um so i i think that that um that is pretty likely um mm-hmm. the other option is that things go spectacularly badly and they have to leave again just like they did with microsoft and just like they did with activision frankly i don't think that that's very likely i i would be surprised if uh if it went that badly, I think both parties are approaching this relationship, knowing Bungie's history and knowing what Bungie wants out of it. And Sony is a very smart company. I have confidence in Jim Ryan. Um, I, and I, I just, I don't think that that's going to happen, but if it did happen, I would be stoked, (laughs) right? If Bungie somehow found themselves in another situation and they were just like, Oh, you know what? This isn't exactly going how we thought it was going to go we're getting out of here. I would just be like, all right, Bungie, Bungie still lives, right? They still have that culture there of people who want to do their own thing. Um, and you know, if I'm completely wrong and they both keep the partnership with Bungie or with uh, Sony and manage to keep their culture and their rebellious spirit and all that, if they're able to do both of those, I will fully admit I was wrong and, and be happy that this move happened. I just, I just don't think that that's going to happen. So gotcha. Okay. Uh, let's last, before we go, I do want to talk about dying light too. Um, for, for listeners that were, were tuned in for my take on it. I got my code much later than, than I think Travis and bad bit and a few of the other people we've kind of talked about on this show with it. Um, I'm really loving my time with it, Travis. I'm I'm having a blast. It seems I did not get into the first time light. I'm loving this game. You first time light was so good. 
100%. It just didn't click, you know, and I bought the super collection or whatever it was and, and it just didn't click bad timing, what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a, I want to say about 10 hours in, I'll, 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 I'll say that maybe a little less at, at this point, but I'm loving it right now, yeah. just based on when I got my, uh, code and got, had time to play. Are you still mm-hmm. an old Villador? Yes. Yeah. yeah I haven't so even met Rosario Dawson yet. In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So I have not met Rosario Dawson who is literally, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's Rosario Dawson. Um, yeah. she's great. But, she's one of the best parts of the game. You, my friend did the IGN review. You're North of 80 hours in on it. Uh, mm-hmm. You seem high on it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you noted to some listeners on Twitter that it had bugs. I've seen little to none, and you yeah. noted that they come in later in the game. So tell me a bit about that, and then let's sing some praises because I don't know. I, sometimes we accidentally talk about the negatives, yeah, and and forget to talk positives. So, so really, I only I only have two negatives about the entire game, and unfortunately, those negatives are so big that it brought the score down to a seven. But okay. if, if, if the bugs alone didn't exist, the game would at least be an eight, which at IGN an eight out of 10 means great. A seven mm-hmm. out of 10, which is what I gave the game means good. And I would say dying light two is without a doubt, a good game as it stands mm-hmm. right now. Um, and I think, I think without a doubt, it will also be an eight or a nine later, right? Mm-hmm. Like easily, yeah. if you had me review this game a year from now, uh, sure. after it'd been patched and they're planning on supporting it for five years. So uh, I'm sure they're going to have me review an expansion at some point down the road and I'll, I'll be happy to do so. Um, but my, my only two gripes with the game are one, I, I don't think the main story is very good. I think the, the main character is, is extremely generic and boring um, and his story doesn't really go anywhere. You'll kind of, you, you get a lot of like promises kind of made to you in the, mm-hmm. the first half of the game. And the, the promises are not fulfilled <laughs> in the second half of the game. Uh, they, okay. they sort of, it feels like they didn't know how to end their own game. Um, and so it's a, it's a little odd. Um, so that's my first problem is just the main character is bleh. That's not that big of a deal though. The first dying light didn't have a great story either. Um, my second problem is more, uh, substantive, which is that, um, it, it just has a ton of bugs. And, uh, so IGN got about 18 codes for this game, uh, because we're doing a Wikipedia for it. Right. And so mm-hmm. I'm in this discord with all these people and it was pretty regular for us to share all the different bugs across different platforms. So it kind of depends which platform you're playing on. If you're on PC, it seems to be more stable. I played Mm -hmm. on PC and on Xbox series X. Those were my main platforms that I played on Mm -hmm. on Xbox. I did 80 hours to complete one single playthrough where I was not doing everything, but I did most of the stuff. And then I did another 25 hours on PC and got part of the way through it. Both games, I experienced quite a few bugs. Most of the bugs happen the longer you play the game. It's kind of like you ever have like a Skyrim save file and it seems like the longer and bigger and the more stuff you do, the more issues you have with that save file until eventually sure. you just kind of get frustrated and do something else. It's sure. kind of like that with Dying Light. Like it, the the first half of the game or the first third of the game, probably more mm-hmm. accurately, where you're in Old Villador and you're trying to solve that uh, that dispute between the two organizations that are there. Um, mm-hmm. that part is probably the best part of the game, both because it feels like a, a smaller little self-contained mini story and because, uh, the game is as, at its most stable state when you're in that part of the game. But mm-hmm. the longer you play, the bigger your save file gets, the more issues you start having. Um, I got, you know, one crash maybe in my first 30 hours. And then mm-hmm. in my last hour of my save file, when I was up, come, approaching 80 hours, um, I was getting at least one hard crash, like every hour. Mm-hmm. at near the end like i think i got five crashes in five hours and i was just like damn this game is falling apart it's kind of like that old um uh, bit that they do in cartoons where the guy the guy's driving a car and it starts to fall apart as he's driving it and then when he crosses the finish line he's just holding the steering wheel you know it's kind of like that like it kind of just sure. like it kind of just t- falls apart as you're you're driving uh the, the farther you get so um that's obviously a big problem. There's a day one patch that fixed a lot of stuff. It did not fix everything. Uh, Two of our IGN reviewers now at this point have saved files with uh, 40 plus hours on it that they can no longer access because of a glitch that gives you an indefinite loading screen when you try to load up your file. Um, Yikes. Yeah, that's a pretty, pretty bad one. Um, I mostly experienced hard crashes and visual glitches. I had one quest that I couldn't complete because a character didn't spawn um, stuff like that. So you'll start to see stuff as you go. But I think my first glitch didn't really happen until like maybe 10 or 15 hours into it. And then it just kind of got worse and worse and worse the longer I played. Um, So 
I'm well, sure they will fix a lot of that. And when they do, it's great. I would just recommend if you're going to play this game, but you, you don't like glitches and stuff that you, you kind of, you react poorly to that. Just, mm-hmm. um, wait like 30 days, maybe 60 days, and then see if it goes on sale or something and, and buy it a little bit down the road when they patch things out. However, if you don't care about that sort of stuff, you're willing to roll the dice, um, play it. It's a fantastic game. The things I love about it. I love so much about this game. I love the parkour. It never stops feeling amazing. It's so much fun. And it gets better. Like you haven't even gotten to the part where you get like a paraglider and a grappling hook and you, yeah, I'm seeing that. Yeah. You do crazy stuff. Um, I love the upgrade trees. I love, uh, the windmill challenges where you have to climb them. I love, uh, the later on you, you get to start, uh, get utilities like, uh, power plants and water towers and stuff. And those, uh, challenges are some of the most fun activities in the game where you're like solving these interesting puzzles. Mm-hmm. Um, the combat is super fun. You can just drop kick people in the face all day and it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, and, and also all the characters in the game, aside from the main character are really good. Like I really like uh, Rosaria Dawson's character, Lil Juan. I did try to, to, to start a romantic relationship with her, which it seems like the game doesn't let you do. Unfortunately, Ugh. What is this? Um, I know. She what was, is this? It's they wouldn't it's let 2022. Me do it. Let yeah. me hook up with Rosario Dawson, guys. Her um, first game appearance was in a game called Syndicate way back when. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of cool if you ever go Google some images of that and you can see just the character models and the growth of it. It's kind of cool. It's yeah. Neat. Her character model is fantastic. Uh, unfortunately, you cannot hook up with it. I got as close as you can, though. I got the ending that's basically like, oh, yeah, you and Lawan are besties. But it, it leaves it kind of... Uh, kind of um unclear if, if it's a romantic thing which is unfortunate i i think if i were lawan i wouldn't want to date my character either because he's super boring but um you know i did all the right moves so yeah i got you, um, I got you. yeah I, I i love that game man it's fantastic and even even though you know i gave it a seven which is uh, a good score but not great um you know i i still plan on playing it down the road i'm i'm helping build the wiki for it right now uh, for the ign team so i'm still playing the game actively on pc and xbox um so yeah i i I, uh i I really really like it and once the bugs are patched it'll be a fantastic game so listeners uh you'll hear more from my takes on it i want to put more time into it i'm also loving the game but i'm a tenth of, of where where travis was uh so it's better to hear his voice this week check out his review on ign uh travis i've got to get going i'm on a hard out mm-hmm. at this point yeah uh, but i want to thank you so much for joining me it's the first time you, you've been on xcp we've gotten to work together on bitcast but i hope it's not the last time you're here um please let everyone know where they can find your content what you would have them look forward to uh, or check out that's already out yeah um so you can find my content on ign.com i do the last word of destiny podcast every thursday uh, at 4 p.m. Pacific. That's called The Last Word. You can find it on YouTube uh, or follow me on Twitter at Travis to, to see me post about it. Um, and then I also do BitCast uh, every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific. Uh, it's way too early for me, but it's also the time we're doing this show. Um, and then, uh, yeah, <laughs> Thank if you, if you want to add me, this is an Xbox show. Uh, full disclosure, I am an Xbox main. I try to do all my reviews and coverage on Xbox because it's the platform where all my friends are at. Uh, my gamer score is now 272,931 points. So how's that stand up? How's that stack up against you, Luke? Am I, am I beating you? Uh, you are beating me. I'm in the, uh, I want to say the 170. 170. Wow. Casual. I think so. So yeah, uh, Luke is a casual. <laughs> um, and uh, that's all I have to say. Thanks for having me, Luke. I, I will, I would love to be on the show again. I love, love talking anything related to Xbox um, and, or, you know, in this case, destiny. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. You guys can, of course, find me on Twitter at InsipidGhost. Email the show, insipidghost at gmail.com. Please do support all your content creators with reviews, uh, likes, and shares where appropriate. Have a great rest of your week, guys. Take care.